Hi, welcome to the Covenant Presbyterian Church podcast, a weekly broadcast of our Sunday sermon. Covenant Presbyterian Church is an open, affirming congregation, and we're so glad you found us. Our primary mission is to equip God's people to serve Christ in the world. In our weekly messages, we hope that you'll find inspiration, encouragement, and even challenge for your faith journey. Please listen with us now. One of the things that I always notice when I'm on break, and this past Thanksgiving was no different, is that not many people wake up on the weekends and go to church. Now, you probably know more about this than I do because my routine has been pretty narrowly focused over the past 15 years. And even before that, on Sunday mornings, I wake up, I drink my coffee, I get dressed up, put the finishing touches on my sermon, and I come on in to church. But I notice when I'm on break that there are a lot of other options for people on Sunday mornings. For example, brunch seems to be quite popular. And as I noticed the brunch crowds this week, it led me to think that there are some similarities between the brunch scene and the church setting. So humor me here and let's see what you think. In both settings, there is food and there is fellowship. In both places, you can hear good music and gather with well-established friends. In both settings, there's probably the inter-tribal arguing over minute details that no one else outside of that group would care much about. And there's also, I believe, a set of shared values on display. There's culture in both places. For example, service. Restaurants will take up collections for people in need over the holidays, just like some congregations will. Also, there's a sense of paying attention to the locally sourced ingredients of the coffee cake or the humane raising of the bacon on your BLT. And I know that both churches and brunches will pay attention to getting fair trade coffee. And believe it or not, both the brunch scene people and the church scene people could find themselves on the very same pilgrimage in Southern France. Did you know it was a late Benedictine monk who perfected the art of quality making of champagne. Yes, the bubbly was perfected by none other than the Benedictine monk Dom Perignon. So you see the Christian crowd on Sunday morning and the brunch crowd on Sunday morning could and do mix. Perhaps that's why it's so easy to find us one Sunday morning choosing brunch and the next Sunday attending service without much thought between the two. Now, despite all the similarities, there are of course differences between Sunday morning brunch and church. The main difference being, of course, Jesus Christ. The whole point of worship is that we gather around the word, the word who is Christ. 
the whole point is to hear the proclamation of the word in music and in the sermon and in prayer. The whole point is to respond from hearing the word to following that word, the life of Jesus Christ out into the world that God loved that much. This is the point of Sunday morning worship. We could leave it at that and be done with this comparison of the brunch scene and the church scene. The difference between the two Sunday morning rituals is Jesus Christ, case closed. However, I think Jesus would want us to explore a little more deeply because we know that Jesus in the flesh was at home in all the scenes and settings that he found in his world. We know that Jesus actually debated the strict regulation of Sabbath practices, and we know that he loved and served and healed wherever he found himself. So Jesus actually invites us to drill down a bit more. What is different between the Sunday morning rituals? Well, one of the other things that I noticed over this Thanksgiving break was the practice of gratitude. I love the holiday where we focus on Thanksgiving because we need to focus on practicing gratitude. And one of the things that happens when you're at brunch is that you focus on yourself. Now, you guys can reach out to me and say this is not really true because you've probably been to more brunch than I have. I don't think we count Wednesday morning brunch really in the same cultural setting as what happens on Sunday morning or Saturday morning. So you can tell me if this is otherwise, but I believe that in brunch, you talk more about yourself. In brunch, we share our stories about our weeks. We talk about our children, our work, our food, our complaints. We perfect our social media profile, even putting our food on Instagram. We talk about our community and we're invested, but we're thinking about our community and how we would approach this or that. Listen, it's not all bad. We all need to unload and it's not selfish. It sounds more selfish than it is, but it is different than what happens in worship. And this, I think, is the point to hold on to here. Because when we are in worship, we open our mouths and we do not talk about ourselves. We do not think about ourselves. When we open our mouths, we praise the risen Lord Jesus Christ. For example, when you gather and worship on Sunday, by the time you get to the sermon, you're about 20 minutes in and you've opened your mouth probably over 10 times and it has all been praise. From the call to worship, we say, let us enter God's gates with thanksgiving. From the assurance of pardon, even after the confession, we say, we are forgiven, alleluia, amen. The first hymn we sang on Sunday, let all things now living, a praise, a song of thanksgiving. Now to our creator, eternal, now raise. All we do in worship is echo the first note of gratitude. All we do is praise. Now, 
Sometimes praise is hard work. You have to really practice gratitude. One of my favorite authors is Thomas Reynolds. He's a theologian and the father of a child on the autism spectrum. And he wrote a book called Vulnerable Communion. It's about our need for each other, our dependence on each other. And the benefit, the blessing, the call for authentic inclusion in the life of the church. And in this book, he makes for me what is one of the most profound comments about what this Christian life is about. And he says, the whole point of Christian discipleship is to receive the gift of life without regret. The whole point, the whole point of Christian discipleship is to receive the gift of life without regret. And so we practice gratitude when we come to church and we don't go to brunch, when we worship and we praise on Sundays. You know how it goes. After um, we've lost a job or won the lottery in worship, we open our mouths to offer the same praise. Even if we've lost a loved one or we've celebrated the birth of a child, if we have newfound health or we're dealing with a terrible new diagnosis, whatever our life situation, when we gather in worship, we open our lips and we declare praise to God. Even when our hearts are not in it, our loud lips mouth the refrain, Holy, Holy, Holy One. We may not feel thankful in worship, that is true, but we don't get an option B for the call. We come to worship and we praise, we praise, we praise. In the past, one of the beliefs of our ancestors was tied to the feudal system around gratitude. And in this understanding, there was this idea that expressing gratitude to God was a response to specific gifts that had been given. It's a hierarchical approach. It has to do with this feudal system where people would be expected to approach lords and ladies with offers of thanks. It's a community-based performance. Individuals, they knew whom to thank for particular gifts. The practice, it was known as targeted gratitude, right? And it was about the norm of reciprocity. So uh, when we're translating that into the world of religion, theologian Diana Butler Bass from her book, Grateful, The Transformative Power of Giving Thanks, says this. Let's say it's the Middle Ages and you survived an epidemic. Well, then God had spared you and you must thank God. If you found a bag of silver under a tree, God had directed you to find it. If you saw a breathtaking sky, God has given that vision to you personally. These targeted gifts from God seem to come in this direct and magical fashion, like a box under the Christmas tree with a name on it signed from God. 
So with that understanding of the way God interacted with specific gift giving, the appropriate response within the norm of reciprocity was just as direct. For surviving the epidemic, you thank God by saying a prayer and lighting a candle. For receiving that bag of money, you would donate 10% to help with the new stained glass window. The point was to remember that God was the heavenly benefactor, the one who gave you everything you needed and wanted your thanks in return. Now, this is an outdated approach to religion's understanding of gift and God's interaction with us. However, I will admit that I'm not above praying in this way for specific things and then offering Thanks specifically. Anybody else rooting for the Eagles last night? That was a really good win. Thank you, Jesus. Or making it home without having a wreck after the Thanksgiving holiday as soon as you get off the interstate. Thank you, God. Now, this concept of targeted asks and specific thanks I'm not above it, but it raises really important questions. And there's a reason that it's out of date, this feudal system approach to our relationship with God. For example, remember that epidemic that you were saved from? Well, why weren't your children? Or remember that bag of gold that you found? What about the person who lost it and now cannot pay the rent? When we approach God with this norm of reciprocity, when we think about our gratitude as this targeted response, it actually sets God up to be quite temperamental, even judgmental. God comes across as this moody Lord from the medieval ages, sitting in the court and doling out punishment or gifts on whim. And through the years, this approach has turned many well-meaning people off the idea of God altogether. Maybe some of those people that are out there at brunch. But the good news for us today is that that's not the only way. And in fact, that's not the primary way that scripture describes God's gifts to us. And... It's not how we offer praise in worship. In the Gospel of Matthew, Scripture tells us that the Father in heaven makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. And in James, it says every generous act of giving and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. And in the Gospels, Jesus does some target miracles and reflects on people's faith when he does specific healings. But much more often, Jesus is in Scripture just pouring out grace for all. Jesus speaks of a wildly untargeting God, one who fills the cup to overflowing and then fills it again. Jesus is the one who throws a party for the prodigals and then invites people in from the streets to the great wedding feast. 
Jesus is the one who heals. Even if you touch just the hem of his robe, Jesus is the one who multiplies fish and loaves so that people eat not once, but again and again and again. And then there are leftovers to be had. And to that massive crowd in the Beatitudes, the folks who were relentlessly pursuing him, he turns around and he just showers blessings. Blessed are the poor. Blessed are those who hunger. Blessed are the meek. Standing up on this ancient hill, Jesus yells out presence, presence for everyone. The Psalm says, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. You are made. And so we praise, we praise, we praise. Friends, hear this as good news. We do not worship a targeted gift-giving God who is handing out goodies and wants thank you notes in return. God's giving is overflowing. God's goodness is the light that touches all. God's grace is untargeted. God's gifts are not obligations to be repaid, but rather they are gifts to be enjoyed. The table that we gather around on Sundays, that table, the Lord's Supper, there's another name for it in Greek. It's Eucharist. And Eucharist, it actually means, guess what? Thanksgiving. Gratitude. I think technically it means well favor or good grace. But that is the difference between the brunch scene and the church scene. The table that we gather around is named gratitude. And it is good and right and our greatest joy to offer God our praise because we don't deserve the table. It is a gift. We don't earn God's love. We are lavished in it. We don't make our identity. We are fearfully and wonderfully made as beloved children of God. And so we come to worship and we tune our mouths and we praise, we praise, we praise. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Covenant Presbyterian Church podcast. I invite you to visit our website, covpresatl.org. That's C-O-V-P-R-E-S-A-T-L.org. There you'll find current worship information, links to our live Sunday morning streaming service, and our full archive of recorded services. You'll also find out more about us and how to get in touch. I wish you well in these strange times. God is with us. Grace and peace to you.